This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Sound Mind Investing. For more than 30 years, do-it-yourself investors have relied on SMI for proven strategies and trustworthy guidance. SMI helps people build wealth so they can provide for their families, prepare for the future, and give generously. Learn more at soundmindinvesting.org. A health savings account can save you a lot of money now and give you a healthier retirement income later. I am Rob West. Health savings accounts were designed to help folks struggling with out-of-pocket medical expenses, but a key provision makes them a terrific backup retirement account, too. I'll talk about that with Mark Biller today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, our good friend Mark Biller is the executive editor at Sound Mind Investing. And Mark, it's always great to have you on the program. Thanks, Rob. Good to be back. Mark, we mentioned the benefits of health savings accounts, HSAs, from time to time on the program, but today we'll dive specifically into the connection they can have to retirement investing, which a lot of folks may not be aware of, right? Yeah, that's right, Rob. You know, when you think about saving for retirement, you probably think about your workplace retirement plan or an IRA, but a health savings account can also be a powerful retirement savings tool, at least for some people. And in fact, in certain situations, an HSA can basically be thought of as a super IRA, but we're Hmm. starting to get a little bit ahead of ourselves. Well, that's right. So let's maybe back up for a moment and maybe you can provide a bit of background on HSAs. Yeah, well, first of all, to be eligible to fund an HSA, you have to have a high deductible health insurance plan, whether that plan comes from your employer or it's purchased directly by you. And this year, that means an individual plan with at least a $1,500 deductible or a family plan with at least a $3,000 deductible. Now, basically, Rob, if you've got a high deductible plan like that, you're basically self-insuring for your routine and any relatively minor medical expenses. So the government lets you contribute to a health savings account so you've got money on hand to pay those relatively small expenses, and then the insurance component covers you against anything major. Mm -hmm. So your HSA money can be used to cover your deductible, co-pays, lots of other uh, healthcare products and services, yeah. they are limited as to how much you can put in them. So, for example, this year, the maximum contribution an individual can make is 3850 or a family maximum is 7750 And there are catch-up contributions for older people just like IRAs. So did you get all that? I, I think so. There was <laughs> a lot there. And actually, yeah. it does sound very similar to an IRA. Yeah, exactly. And there are similar tax benefits available as well, except in the case of HSAs, the tax treatment is potentially even a little bit better than IRAs because they're what we call triple tax advantage. In other words, you don't pay taxes putting the money in, you don't have taxes on the account growth, Mm. and then you don't pay taxes if the money is withdrawn to pay for what are called 
qualified health expenses. And that's why I was mentioning the super IRA idea, because regular IRAs and other workplace retirement plans like your 401k, those are only double tax advantaged, meaning that you're always going to pay taxes at one end or the other with IRAs, either when you're putting the money in or when the money's coming out, depending on whether you're using a traditional IRA or a Roth. But HSAs actually get that tax benefit on both sides, which is why they're unique and why we're, we're touting them as, as a good retirement savings vehicle. Yeah, and it's that triple tax advantage that makes HSA a potentially powerful tool for retirement investing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the big key with this is whether a person can cover those out-of-pocket medical costs with funds from outside their HSA account. Mm. If a person can do that, then that money that accumulates in their HSA gets that triple benefit as they invested over the years. So a couple important notes here. One, if you're not sure that you can pay all your health expenses from outside the HSA, there's really no downside for trying. You know, for example, if you decide to save the maximum in your HSA, but but then you end up having to dip into it to pay for your ongoing health costs, you've still got some of that money sitting in the very best type of account for long-term investing. And then there's a second point that we can delve into on the other side of the break. Sounds great. Mark Biller with us today, executive editor at Sound Mind Investing. We're talking about their article, A Health Savings Account, the other retirement account at soundmindinvesting.org. Much more to come just around the corner. Stick around. We are grateful for support from LightPoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. LightPoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the MoneyWise program. More information is available at lightpointportfolios.com. My name is Kent, and I'm a member of Christian Healthcare Ministries. I have a friend who actually has great insurance, and she recently had a a life-threatening experience. And she was laying in the hospital bed afraid, not afraid for her life, but afraid of what her insurance would or would not cover. And as a CHM member, I can honestly say I just never have that fear. I can't tell you the, the peace of mind that provides. Learn more about Christian Healthcare Ministries' biblical cost sharing at chministries.org. Thanks for joining us on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. With me today, Mark Biller, Executive Editor at Sound Mind Investing. Today we're talking about HSAs, specifically a recent article at soundmindinvesting.org entitled, A Health Savings Account, The Other Retirement Account. Perhaps you haven't thought about your HSA as not only a way to cover the cost of healthcare expenses, but also to save for retirement. Uh, Mark, just before the break, you were saying one of the keys to this is being able to perhaps try to cover your expenses outside the HSA so you can let this money grow. Now, if you're unable to do that and you have to dip in, that's fine. But there's also this idea of whether or not the custodian allows you access to investments, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And unfortunately, not all HSA platforms 
really have good investing options on them, but a number of them do. Some of them are set up directly with Fidelity, for example, so you have a full range of investing options there. There are others, um, like Lively is another popular HSA provider, and that platform gives you access to all of uh, Schwab's trading abilities. So a lot of uh, these plans do offer you good investing options, which, of course, is more important if you're trying to use the HSA in this kind of long-term retirement uh, savings uh, capability. Yeah. Now, you shared with us that the real power of these HSAs is that they're triple tax advantaged. No taxes going in, no taxes on account growth, and no taxes if the money is withdrawn to pay qualified health expenses. But one of the stipulations of that triple advantage is that the HSA money has to ultimately be used for, in fact, those qualified medical expenses. So talk to us about that. Yeah, that's correct. And Rob, if if you do end up in retirement with money in an HSA and you need to take it out for non-medical expenses, at worst, it ends up functioning just like a regular IRA where you end up uh, paying tax on those withdrawals. Okay. But there's actually an important loophole that's really important for people who are wanting to use HSAs in the way that we're talking about today. Okay. And that is that in retirement, you can take money out of the HSA for any new qualified health expenses that you incur. That's true all the way through your life. But the loophole is in retirement, you can also reimburse yourself for past qualified health care expenses that you incurred in the past. Hmm. So that means as long as you save your receipts for health care expenses that you're paying out of pocket now, you'll have the ability to take those amounts out of your HSA in retirement, whether you have new health care expenses or not. Wow. So let me give you an example of that. Sure. Yeah, suppose at age 66, you're retired and you withdraw $15,000 from your HSA to buy a car or any other non-health expense. Okay. As long as you have $15,000 in receipts that you haven't used, you haven't claimed in the past, then even if you incurred those expenses years earlier, you can use those receipts to offset that entire withdrawal, making it tax-free. Wow, that is a powerful benefit. And this is where HSAs are different from FSAs, flexible spending accounts, right? Absolutely. So HSA account balances can be carried forward year after year, and you can get that compounding in your investing account. That's very different from a flexible spending account where the money has to be spent each year or else you forfeit it. And it's also worth pointing out that once you enroll in Medicare, which most people do at age 65, yeah. you have to stop contributing to an HSA but any existing HSA money that you have can continue to be invested and can continue to pay these qualified health care expenses. You know, that makes me think of a program we did recently, Mark, on the order of operations when we're managing money. I suppose in this case, getting things in the right order is really important, right? Yeah, it really is. And SMI's always recommended prioritizing those retirement savings this way. If your workplace plan offers a match, contribute there to get the full match. 
then we usually suggest going over to an IRA because they usually have the broadest set of investment options. And then if you still need to save more for retirement, you would ultimately go back to your 401k plan last. Now, if your workplace plan doesn't offer a match, then we would just say max out an IRA and then turn to your workplace plan. But because these HSA benefits are so compelling, if you're eligible to fund an HSA and you think that you're going to be able to pay at least some of those health care expenses outside the HSA so that it can grow over time, then we would change those recommendations a little bit. We would say in that case, you still want to go for your matching contributions in your workplace plan. But then we would say the HSA should probably come next before you move on to funding an IRA. Now, if your workplace plan doesn't offer a match, we'd actually suggest maxing out the HSA first, then moving on to an IRA and finally back to your workplace plan. Yeah, that's really helpful. And there are a lot of moving parts. So by the way, folks, if you want to check out this article with all the details, again, it's called a health savings account, the other retirement account, you'll find it as a free download at soundmindinvesting.org. Mark, this makes me think of the fact that healthcare costs in retirement are always a major concern for folks. Medicare, of course, doesn't cover everything. So give us an idea of how contributing to an HSA can really alleviate some of those fears. Yeah, well, in the article, Rob, we include a quote from a research firm that found that an individual who starts saving by age 40 can accumulate sufficient savings in an HSA to cover the cost of health care in retirement. And importantly, those researchers said that that projection would still hold even if the individual had to use a small portion of that HSA money to cover their current health expenses. So the bottom line of all of that is this is definitely a tool that's worth looking into if you're covered by a high deductible insurance plan because it can really put you on a good path for retirement savings. And then quickly, Mark, for somebody who has a choice, HSA or not, are there some rules of thumb perhaps that would help them decide whether this is the best option for them? Well, you always do have to look at the the costs of the plan that you're getting, um, and all you know with any insurance, there are always going to be specific details in terms of those deductibles and so forth. Sure. You, you certainly don't want to put yourself in a position where you can't cover your own uh, health care up to those high deductibles. So, safety first when it comes to insurance, but this can can be a, a good tool for a lot of people. But I suspect somebody who's younger, healthy, and has the ability to max it out would be ripe for an HSA, correct? Absolutely, because young people are often overpaying for insurance that they don't end up using and really likely are are not going to need. So this is a a perfect model for those folks, as long as they have uh, emergency savings to cover if they do need to pay out of pocket up to that deductible amount. That's really helpful. Mark, great information as always. We really appreciate you dropping by today. Always my pleasure, Rob. 
He's Mark Biller, executive editor at Sound Mind Investing. You can read more about this in their article, A Health Savings Account, the other retirement account at soundmindinvesting.org. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and much more just around the corner. What's most important to you when it comes to choosing your financial advisor? Someone who's aligned with your biblical values? How about someone who will take the time to explain your options? Certified Kingdom Advisors are professionals who meet high standards in competence and integrity and have been trained to offer biblical financial advice. To find a Certified Kingdom Advisor in your area, visit faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian credit counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian credit counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. All right, back to the phones, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Hey, Amy, thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Uh, My mother is in... um nursing home, and um, she kind of took a turn for the worse, but she's slowing down. I'm a joint, I'm a joint on her account. Um, unfortunately, she has long-term care insurance, and she has prepaid funeral. Um, I have oh. two siblings, so I didn't know if, if I should have her, you know, kind of gift money now, or when she passes, if the account is mine, put my two siblings on the account and divide it up then. Okay. Um, you know, her will was to divide it between the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously that was at her death. So I think the question is just, is there a reason to kind of speed that up? Would that be what your mom wants? And, you know, apart from that, I might wait. Um, You know, there's not any benefit to doing that. There is a benefit if, if some of this is in asset form with a step up in basis, if there would otherwise be, if you'd give it as a gift, like for instance, if it was a piece of property, you gift it now, there's not a step up in basis. If you and your siblings receive it at the date of death, uh, it would have a step up in basis. So there's no uh, capital gains tax if you receive it as an inheritance and then sell it. So that would make the case for you not to do that. But I think, you know, here the, this is the intent of the steward and, you know, is the intent for this money to be passed at death or or prior to that, you could start gifting it out at 17000 a year per person without filing anything with the IRS. Beyond that, you'd have to let the IRS know on Form 709, but that would just eat away at your or at her or your, if this is partly your asset, $12 million lifetime exemption for gifts. So nobody's going to pay any tax on this. Uh, it's just a matter of the timing, and that would really go back to your mom's intent and desire, and whether these assets may be needed down the road for her care. Okay. All right. Does that make sense? I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for calling today. Amanda's in Illinois. Hi, Amanda. How can I help you? 
Hey there, Rob. I've been um, helping my 80-year-old mother with her finances ever since my dad passed away 10 years ago. And I'm wondering what to do about a large sum of money that came to term in an account for her recently. Um, now we're being advised to uh, move that into what is called a multi-year guaranteed fixed annuity. Um, but I don't understand how this particular annuity works. And, and, and I think she'd also be required to take RMDs from it. Um, but there are some terminology on there that I don't understand. And I'm wondering if there's actually something that we should put it out, put it in instead. Okay. Very good. Um, well, a couple of thoughts, uh, you know, the, this type of fixed annuity offers a guaranteed fixed interest rate for a certain period. So usually from three to 10 years, uh, in that respect, it's similar to a CD and the interest rates are often the same, but you can access the money in the annuity easier than the CD, which you would have to cash in and pay a penalty. Um, but if you don't need access to the principal for that long, you, uh, you know, you certainly could be better off having this money in a very conservative stock and bond portfolio. Um, annuities generally are not subject to RMD rules. Uh, you don't have to start withdrawing them at age 72, uh, or that age is actually moving forward with some new legislation, but the same applies there. And there's no minimum withdrawal required um, unless it's owned by a qualified retirement plan. And then you would have to meet the RMD requirements. So uh, do you or does she have an advisor? Because it sounds like it might make sense, Amanda, to have somebody look over all of these assets and really make sure that this decision is being made in light of her overall financial situation. She does not have an advisor. Um, this was a financial person at her bank um, where the where it was being managed, I think. Yeah. She already has she already has a large sum of money in a different annuity. Okay. Um and she gets a monthly like her social security pension um is more than enough to cover all of her expenses. Yeah, so what does she have in investable assets then when you put it all together? Well, this other um separate annuity that she has is a um she could cash it out right now it's at about $220,000. She has about 80000 in a checking and money market fund at her bank. And this, and this other one that just came to term is a little over 100000 But it, it said on there that she's required to take these distributions, and she's been getting them yearly. And it was, it, it was called a Premier Select IRA. Okay. Yeah, so it sounds like the the annuity is a part of a, a retirement plan, and that would make some sense. So, you know, it could be rolled out to an IRA if that's the case, and then it could be just managed there as conservative, you know, as she wants it to be, or you acting on her behalf. You could do it in, you know, brokered CDs, or you could actually move a portion of it into a bond portfolio. You could even have a stock allocation. I mean, I think the idea here is if her bills are covered and then some, and she's got plenty of reserves, cash to fund her living expenses and even the unexpected. Maybe she has six months or a year's worth of cash 
worth of expenses available, then the rest of this could be put to work looking longer term, you know, managing this for her heirs, if that's ultimately where this is going, or just to grow it so that it's there if she needs it for long-term care or ultimately to give it away. Um, now, if you or she is just not wanting to take any risk with it, then, you know, that's where these annuities can make some sense, but they're not all created equal. They're complicated. They have good, you know, a number of fees and associated with them and lockups where you're, you know, if you open a new annuity, you're often going to have surrender charges, you know, for a period of time. So, you know, I think the, the purest way to manage this money would be to roll it out to either an IRA or an IRA plus a taxable account. And then, you know, to have an advisor manage that based on the goals and objectives, not taking more risk than is necessary, but also still keeping access to the capital in case she needs it down the road. Uh, the other approach would be to go back into an, a new annuity, either the one he's describing or another one, which is going to transfer the risk to the insurance company and give you a guaranteed rate of return, which may make everyone sleep better at night, um, even though you you know have some downsides to that. Yes. Okay. Then I right. probably need to look a little bit more into this and ask um, this advisor a little more questions too. I think so. And perhaps get another advisor to weigh in and give you some other ideas as well, not, you know, from the bank. And if you wanted somebody else to weigh in on this, I would head to our website, faithfi.com and just click find a CKA and maybe contact two or three certified kingdom advisors, find one that you think's a good fit and, you know, run this whole thing by him or her to just get a second opinion on how you should be thinking about this. So, uh, all the best to you, Amanda. It sounds like you've got a little bit of legwork ahead of you, but I'm grateful for your call and that you're walking alongside your mom. This is what we should be doing in this season of life. So thanks for checking in with us. Well, folks, thanks for being along with us today. Let me say thanks to my amazing team, Tahira Haynes, Amy Rios, Jim Henry, and Luke Castaldo. Hope you have a great rest of your day and hope you come back and join us tomorrow. I'll be here to do it all over again. Bye-bye. Faith and Finance is provided by Faith Buy and listeners like you. 